Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Guys, who knows what the book of Romans is? Does anybody have an idea? Shout it if you do. Just Matthew. A letter, good. Who wrote the letter? What? Paul, yes. And who was Paul? He was also Saul, yes. He had both names, but who was he? An apostle. Good job, Sarah. Nailed it. He's an apostle. What's an apostle? We can just go to... What? No, that's not true. Jones, what's, what's an apostle? A dude who preaches the word. Okay. Put that in Webster's. A dude who preaches the word. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, an apostle is someone called by Jesus, anointed by the Holy Spirit. There's no more apostles today. They were only set back then. There's preachers and teachers. But the apostles literally were carried on by the Holy Spirit. So when we read Romans... We're not reading just a letter the guy Paul wrote. We're reading the actual words of the Holy Spirit. So let's go ahead and pray that the Holy Spirit would give us eyes to see what Paul did back then. Holy Spirit, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would come and speak. Forgive us, Jesus, for looking at the Bible with natural eyes, thinking that we're strong enough, wise enough to discern its meaning. Lord, let us see it with spiritual eyes. Let us read the Bible supernaturally because it was written supernaturally. Jesus, I ask that this series would not just be another series where they sit through 12 weeks or however many weeks and just listen to a guy talk. Lord, I ask that they would press into the book of Romans, that they would ask the hard questions about the text, that they would read the text, memorize the text, pray the text, and that they would be changed because of it. Lord, open blind eyes tonight to the text. Open deaf ears to the text tonight and give us hearts that are not hard, but that are soft to the spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to go ahead and jump right in. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 15. I'm just going to read it. If you have your Bible, it's not just like a prop that you bring to church. Actually open it up and read along. Here we go. Romans chapter 1, verse 15, starting out. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who also are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the one who by faith, right, wait, that's not it, sorry. Who can read it for me? As it is written, The righteous shall live by faith. Thank you. Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. The righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them over to the lusts of their heart and impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, 
because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So I want you guys to see this. How many of you guys are familiar at least with some of those phrases that I just read? It's I'm going to give you an example. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the power, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. How many of you have ever heard that word before, even if it's in a different translation? That word is like all over Christian spheres. It's on all the merch. It's on all like the cool athletic gear. And Romans 1.16, not ashamed. Like that's like kind of the Christian war cry in a sense, at least when I was growing up. That was like what we memorized in Awana. That's what we knew. Like, oh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It was kind of like, that phrase made you feel bulletproof. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the phrases or the things, that, like powerful words that do something to you. Where it just makes you turn to that fight instead of the fight or flight. You don't run away. You just like, you get emboldened. You get powered up. How many of you guys have ever had like a speech or um, a pep talk that's done that to you? Man, you guys need to be more, uh, more influential people. Only some of you. I've had that so many times. My master, Master Kunkel, she was an Olympian, and I trained with her all the way through my third-degree black belt. And she would always give me pep talks before, before fights. And I was, like, re- ready to go. In a sense, this is kind of Paul's pep talk to the Christians. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. So it's kind of like, if you guys don't know what it's like to get that feeling of powerful words, if you've ever seen a movie that has a really powerful moment, it's kind of the same thing. Like, maybe take a look at this guy. Maybe you guys, some of you I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight against that? No! We will run! And we will live! Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade? All the days, from this day to that, for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! All the guys are like, where's my kilt? I'm going to go fight me some enemies. Like, yeah, let's do it. I saw some of you leaning in. You're like, you're like, Where's my sword? I can do this. All the ladies are like, man, he needs help with his makeup. Did you see how bad it was? Like, ooh, geez. So maybe if you guys didn't relate to that one, maybe you'll relate to one of the best kung fu fighters of all time. Take a look at this one. Your story may not have such a happy beginning, but that doesn't make you who you are. It is the rest of your story, who you choose to be.
So, who are you, Panda? I am Poe. And I'm gonna need a hat. Why he needs a hat, I don't know. Maybe a sword would help, but guys. Oh, throw the hat. Is that, I haven't seen that movie. Maybe I have, I don't know. But we got this William Wallace guy, this Scot, who's like maybe gonna put on a kilt and go fight the British. And then we got this panda over here who stands up. I'm Poe. What you gonna do about it? Next time a bully comes at you, just like get on the ground, be like, hold on. Stand up. Stomp. I'm Poe. I'm gonna need a hat. And then just lift your pinky. And then he'll run away, right? Skadoosh. Let me see your best skadoosh go. Skadoosh. I like it. See, we get these like funny illustrations of powerful words, and we got a lot of it in culture. Like, what's Nike's like phrase? What is it? Yeah, just do it. Stand up like Shia LaBeouf and just like yell it. Go. Let me see. Yeah, like that. Like, we got a lot of these different intense, powerful things. We got a lot of Olympians have their phrases. Tim Tebow always wrote like the scriptures under his eyes and he just looked like a terrifying beast on the field. Like we got a lot of these phrases that amp us up, that get us ready for action. Just like William Wallace and Poe. But what about Romans 1.16? I actually don't see a lot of that in the church at large. Where is the courage that's taken in there and making people unashamed of the gospel. I don't see it. Maybe because what happens is when we don't see the gospel, we're ashamed of it when it actually comes our time. You see, some of us would automatically say, no, 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 I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And a lot of our culture would actually say, no, I'm a Christian, like boom, right away. A huge percentage of the American population says they're Christians. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But maybe they're not ashamed of the gospel because they believe in a tame gospel, which is not a gospel at all. They believe in a gospel, oh, you're you're a Hindu, you believe in a million different gods, Yahweh can just be one of those? Yeah, no problem, for sure. Oh, you're a Muslim who thinks that Muhammad is better than Jesus and Jesus was just a prophet? No big deal, it's good, all good. Or maybe we really love this truth, that we think like, oh, everyone gets to go to heaven. I'm not ashamed of that gospel. Yeah, man. God's just like a care bear in the sky. (laughs) And you're not ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed about because there's nothing pushing back. But the gospel that Paul is talking about, the truth that Jesus is, remember he's the way, the truth, and the life, that truth by definition is exclusive, meaning it's gonna have things that cannot fit in the truth. And so you're going to get pushback. The Paul that I'm talking about who said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he's not talking about the wishy-washy, tame gospel as so many Americans are calling the gospel. No, no, this gospel, this gospel declares that God is holy and his holiness, his standard of holiness cannot be tampered with by what we feel. This gospel is saying that The Father is sovereign and holy and he does all that he pleases in the heavens. That the Son is the exact imprint of his nature and that he is the risen king above all kings. And that he is going to fight the devil until the end and he has conquered sin. It's telling us, this gospel is saying that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and he comes and empowers his church. This gospel is what Paul was talking about. This gospel is what got him imprisoned and spat on and almost killed. One time in Acts, you can read it. He was stoned. No, not Colorado stoned. He was stoned with big stones. And they thought he was dead. And they dragged him out of the city and they dropped him down. And everyone looked over like, man, we got to go bury Paul. And he gets back up like a Poe moment, man. Like gets back up and walks back into the city. Because the gospel is the power of God. This is the gospel that he's unashamed about. But maybe some of us think like, oh, we got the gospel, John 3.16. We love that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, I 100% believe that. But then we're saying, well, yeah, I'm not ashamed of that. But then two verses later it says this. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. I like that part. But whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Whoa. That'll offend some people. Step on some toes. Because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. All of a sudden, our unashamed power shrinks. And we're a little nervous. Maybe because we've propped up in ourselves this idea of, oh, I'm like Peter. I'm not going to deny Jesus. Jesus, I'll never betray you. You know what happened a few hours later? He denied even knowing the guy three times. Maybe because he didn't have a right view of who Jesus was. And he was there with him for three years. Now imagine us, 2,000 years later. Maybe some of us say that we're not ashamed of the gospel, but we actually are. Let me tell you, it's, it's not just you guys and pastors are immune to being ashamed of the gospel. It's not true. Years ago when I was a missionary in Thailand, I had a really insane moment when I was ministering in the red light district, when I was walking there and I just wanted to go into all of those awful houses and rescue as many girls as I could and look at those guys. And man, I just wanted to skadoosh all those guys and just knock them out because they were going and taking advantage of all these people. And one of these guys, he came up and he was about to go into one of these awful houses. And he comes out and I was like, hey, sir, can I talk to you? What's your name? And he was American, I could tell. And instantly in a foreign country, you connect with someone who speaks your same language. And we were talking. I was like, I really didn't want him to go in there. So I was like, can I buy you a drink? And here's innocent old me saying, drink, you know, Sprite, soda, Coke. I was like, okay, yeah, I can buy him a drink. Sits down. I wind up buying him some, like, super hard liquor. And there I am with my Sprite. Like, shoot, I just bought this guy liquor. Dang it. And we're drinking. We're talking. And I start sharing the gospel. I start asking him the hard questions. And we get to the point after, yes, we're created in the image of God, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We get to right here. And I said, yes, yeah, so all have sinned. He's like, well, so who can go to heaven? And I was like, no one. He's like, what? And I was like, yes, but if Jesus, and I was about to get to the hinge pin of the gospel. He's like, forget this. I don't want this gospel. And he walks away, throws his cup, and he just walks away. And right there in that moment, I had this shrinking feeling that what if I wasn't ashamed to tell the whole gospel. What if I was ashamed of it? And just, you know what? No, not, not no one can go to heaven. I mean, you know, if you go to church and you pray and, and I just start taming the gospel so that he likes me. Then he would have maybe kept listening. He wouldn't have thrown his drink at me. He wouldn't have stormed away until I got to share all of my preaching. no. Instead, I stood up and I said, 
all have fallen short of the gospel, the glory of God, and no one is available. And right there, boom, opposition. And he had a choice whether or not to keep listening and himself not feel the shame of his sin and actually let the saving grace of Jesus wash over his shame. No, no, he chose his shame and he walked away. But Christ followers are not supposed to choose our shame. We're supposed to be unashamed of the gospel in the name of Jesus. Let me give you just a quick uh, throwback picture to me in Thailand. There's little young Chase. And notice in this picture really quick, talking about being ashamed. Who's the only one not using chopsticks? <laughs> this white guy. Yeah. So I was with a bunch of my buddy Christian, took the picture, and we're all there, and all the girls are picking it up really easy. They're picking up grains of rice with chopsticks. And I'm over there, like, fumbling. I was like, forget this, and I grabbed a spoon. Talk about ashamed. We got little moments of being ashamed of little things. We understand that. There are big moments, like my story with the guy, of being ashamed of the gospel, not just being ashamed in general. But I'm here to tell you that in that moment of conflict in our hearts, and it will come if it has not already, if you haven't shied away, maybe some people are making fun of church, you're making fun of Jesus. You're like, yeah, those Christians. But you don't say anything. Or maybe some of you guys are um, saying, no, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and then guys in the locker room start talking really bad. And you just go along with it. Because you would rather not be ashamed and just, you know, keep going with the flow instead of being unashamed for the gospel and the truth and the standard that it has. Maybe some of you girls, you're talking and a lot of gossip comes up. And you join in. Because you don't want to be the odd, you don't want to be the black sheep. You want to fit in. But the gospel says no. Speak life. No, speak the way, the truth, and the life never spoke ill of anyone. And so we become ashamed of the gospel in little ways, and then eventually it's going to be big ways. So my question is, if I was ashamed or tempted to be ashamed, and my life was not even at risk, again, the Romans, to be Christian in Rome, meant you were chancing a date with the Colosseum where there would be a bear, a lion, a leopard, a gladiator, ready to tear you apart. And an audience who couldn't care less about the gospel laugh. And you had to choose Jesus or life a lot of times. All of us are like, Jesus or more likes on Facebook. Like, it, it's a different world. But we can still get this glimpse. See, all of the Christians leading up to the reason why the church is still here is because we've had Christians generation after generation saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And the reason why we have the gospel fully preserved and not just a half-baked, tamed gospel is because we've had Christians all along the line say, I'm unashamed of it. Like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, like Billy Graham, like Mother Teresa, like all of these gospel people saying, I'm unashamed of it. But how? How? The question is, are we ashamed of the gospel? That's a hard question to ask. First response is Peter, no, no way, dude. Of course not. Just wait. We'll have our Peter moment. We have to ask ourselves, how can I now begin developing an unashamed, passionate zeal like Paul so that in the moments, in any moment, I'm unashamed of it. And I don't care who knows that I'm Christian. In fact, I want everyone to know I'm a Christian because Jesus is so good. That's what we talk about. There's a few things that I want to go through. First one. 
we have to be undone by God's glory. And undone, what that means is being totally lost in God that you don't really know when God ends and you begin because you're just so in union with him. Being undone by God is being so enamored with who he is that you kind of forget yourself and you forget your pride. Let me give you a taste of how Paul sees God. Paul was not a guy who just liked God. He was undone. He was enamored by God. Let me give you just in this chapter, not in the rest of scripture. Verse one through four, four, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for God, which he promised beforehand by his holy scriptures concerning his son, who is descended from David, according and was declared to be the son of God in power. Can you just, like, have you ever really admired somebody? You just like talk them up. <laughs> My brother did that when I was in high school. By the time, well, before I got in high school, by the time I got there, all the f- seniors were scared because Kyle told them that I knocked him out once. Like that I'm just like this ninja guy who's going to the Olympics. I wasn't anywhere close to going to the Olympics. But he talked me up. That's the idea. Like he was, we were such good friends that he just wanted to talk me up. But this guy, we can barely talk up God. We can barely even get a glimpse of him. Let's keep going. Verse 7, it says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning God's got a lot of grace and peace and I'm going to give it to you because he's awesome. Or maybe 16b, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. That's a big statement about who God is. Or verse 17a, for in the righteousness of God, for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Man, we're just getting a lot of God-centered statements again and again and again. He was undone. Let me give you a little example. I was undone on my wedding day by my bride. Put up the picture of, I was like, I was standing there and I was about to pass out. I was just like, about to pass out. But not, not just like an infatuation. Some of you guys are looking over to your boyfriend and girlfriend saying, I'm undone by you. You complete me. No. This isn't the moment of being undone. This is the moment of being enamored. Undone happened a little later in the ceremony. Right here. Where the pastor prayed us into being one flesh. And we got to pray before the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit saying, make us one so that we can be one voice for the gospel. One voice for the kingdom. One power on this earth to display your glory unashamedly in our family. That was undone. See, being undone is not just this moment of highs or this euphoria of faith. Being undone, because I guarantee you, she makes me mad sometimes. I make her mad sometimes. You've heard Pastor Tim's stories. You know how marriage works. It's intense. But being undone is being so enamored and so in love with the object of your affection that you're committing the whole life. That's what being undone by the Father means. Pastor Andrew Arndt said it this way. He says, God has been saturating his saints with his glory so that they can become living icons of his person and his presence. Awake to the Father, surrendered to the Son, and filled with the Holy Spirit, here it is, bathed in the wonder of the triune God. Bathed in the wonder of the triune God. Not just like little dribble of sip of the Spirit. No, no, bathed in it. That is what it means to be undone. So first and foremost, if you don't want to be ashamed of the gospel, get to know God. Because the gospel is who God is. It's not just like a story he made up. It comes out of his nature. 
So the first thing is we have to be undone by God. The second thing is we have to have unwavering faith. Unwavering faith. And what that looks like is um, verse 17, it says this, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That also can be translated, the one who by faith is righteous shall live. So, okay, so I have to get faith. No, no, no. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. You can also translate founder as author. How good of an author would it be if he said, oh yeah, I wrote this book, and he just put his name on it. Didn't even write it. No. What an author does is he originates it. He makes it. He creates it. So we can say that the faith that we need to be righteous and be unashamed all starts with Jesus, begins with Jesus, is sustained by Jesus, and is completed by Jesus. Do you hear that? Jesus is the author of our faith that we need to be righteous. So when we do need our faith, he creates it. Ephesians says, blessed are those who love Jesus with love incorruptible. Have you ever loved anyone perfectly? No. Can you ever love Jesus perfectly? So how can Paul say that? It's because Jesus gives us the love to love him. You see how radically Jesus-centered this gospel is? Last point, give all the credit to God. Here's what I mean. Romans 1, 21 through 23 says this, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal things, not the creator. When we don't give all the credit to God, the thanks that it says, they did not honor him and give him glory and give him thanks, our hearts begin to crumble and they become fragile and our faith is fake. But as soon as we become people who adore God and are undone by God, we will have unwavering faith because God is the one who gives the faith. And when we are undone and we are having unwavering faith before God, and then we give all credit to God, guess what? When the time comes for you to be ashamed or unashamed of your faith, you're to be able to be like Paul and all the other saints, all the generations saying, I'm unashamed of the faith. Ben, you guys can come back up just for a sec. See, when we give God credit in just peripheral things, then it doesn't really do us any good. But when we give God credit in all things, it's our lifeline. It's our saving, saving grace. Friends, I'm not here to tell you, like, all right, you need to do better in Bible reading. You need to do better in this, that, or the other thing. What I'm telling you is that it's not about you. This book of Romans is so radically God-centered that what you need to do is get before Jesus, like Psalm 27 says, and say, one thing I ask, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That is what we need to do to be undone to have unwavering faith, giving all the credit to God. Therefore, we can stand with the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. How many of you guys want to get to the end of your life realizing that you were ashamed of the gospel? Not me. I want to get to the end of my life saying there was no shame because my entire life was the gospel.
I lived it. I ate it. I breathed it. So what we're going to do is we're going to just worship for just a little bit. I know service ends at 745, so we got time. And what we're going to do is we're going to worship to the song, Great I Am. Remember, I am is Yahweh. I am who I am. It's God's nature. Put yourself before God. So what I want you guys to do is, if you're able, go ahead and stand up in reverence. And we're going to ask Jesus to show himself to us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the whole triune God, so that we become undone so that we can see him and have faith that he gives us. And that we can give all the credit to God when we do have strong faith and we are not ashamed of the gospel. I wanna see a room full of young people from sixth grade to 12th grade and up say I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And they choose to live holy, devoted, passionate, zealous lives for the gospel that even when they Get up in the morning. The devil is terrified of them because they know they're God. And there's no pride in them because they've given it all to Jesus. Let's go ahead and worship the Lord together. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.